if someone is lost, they may find themselves stranded in the middle of nowhere. Funny thing, that's exactly where you can authentically observe yourself. Removed from society, bereft from creature comforts, comforts, free from others' watchful eyes and relentless offers of advice or to provide quote-unquote help. That's not what we seek. A long way from nowhere, we're not lost, we are found. We know what we need to do. We just need to do it in our own time and in our own place. That's what Rats was for me. Welcome to Like a Bigfoot Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. This week, I'm very excited. Um, This is going to be the last episode about A Long Way From Nowhere. and we'll get we'll get into it, but Phil Phil Pinty's here. Um, Phil was in our movie. Um, this is gonna be kind of weird, Phil. So you are introducing, you're doing the intro with me, and you're introducing a conversation we had like six weeks ago. And so present day Phil is gonna introduce past Phil, and then during the outro we're gonna go back to present day Phil. This is like a Philception thing going on. And uh, I'm my brain already hurts trying to figure this out. Hello, my friend, we meet again. It's been a while. Where should we begin? <laughs> so where are we starting? So um, I just want to say this off the get go. Uh, basically, I had recorded these episodes with with uh, Amy and Mikey. I recorded an episode with Jason. I recorded one with you, and. My my original dream was that I was gonna make this beautifully like edited, like NPR style podcast. You know, it was gonna sound great. We're gonna put in sound effects and music and all this stuff. And then I remembered that I'm a busy dad slash teacher, husband, person guy. And so I ran out of time. And then I was like, or and you can even tell in this episode which is funny because I started re-listening to it. I'm starting off by like kind of interviewing you, looking for those sound bites, you know? And then all of a sudden it just evolves into what we normally do. <laughs> so, so, uh, so yeah, but I do want to say like, so then I decided I was going to release all these episodes individually. And yeah, and I know it's definitely been like a month, a month now of like the podcast kind of being focused on this thing but uh but it's been a big part of my life and your life uh for the last few years and you know this is kind of the celebration of it and so this is the last podcast really about the movie and uh yeah man i'm excited to have you on uh because i think i honestly think you're like the heart and soul of of this and i know everybody put our own hearts and souls in it but your heart was was just the biggest and i don't know if it's because you're the macho man you're like giant and like jacked and stuff um but but yeah man so anyways welcome back to the podcast dude wow what an intro and it's an absolute honor to be here dude yeah man yeah Yeah. so uh the big exciting thing and we're trying to put this out before this happens but can you kind of talk about 
uh, what you're doing. You're kind of setting up this screening in your hometown and, and we can kind of give the details right off the bat in case people want uh, to go to it. If they're in the area, if they're out on the East Coast, maybe they want to check that out. Yes, certainly. Um, first off, though, I would like to congratulate you on, I believe this will be your 331st podcast episode, as well as, as of today, April, what is it, the 18th? Yeah, tax day. Yeah, tax day. Uh, make sure to get your taxes in. Uh, creeping up on 100,000 views on YouTube for yeah, a long way from nowhere. And to you and <clears throat> Paul and James and, and Josh. every Josh and everyone else who had a hand in this thing. It's just been mind blowing. And um, I just think what you all were able to put together, the finished product, I didn't know how you were going to do it or how it was going to all come together, but it did. And Me neither. It, <laughs> <laughs> no, it just tells... Um, I, I kind of just remove myself from the whole thing and just Jason's story and Amy and Mikey's story and the the buildup and how you were able to tell a stage race in a complete form um, from beginning to end, but also incorporate all these different stories together. And I think every time um, a scene ends and it goes to the next thing, it just, it leaves you like wanting more the way it was edited the way Josh edited everything together, like spectacular, just keeps you enthralled and, and what's going to happen. And, you know, it's just one thing after another, and it, it just really came together excellently. Um, so, yeah. So in coordination with my brother, which is an absolutely honor, like a complete honor for me, um, Reading, Pennsylvania, Saturday, April 29th from 12 to 2. We're going to do a screening of the movie in my hometown, and then there's going to be an hour allotted for a little Q&A. And then also how we're having this thing wrap up completely full circle is my college roommate from Westchester University, who I haven't seen probably since 2006 when I was getting ready to deploy with the Marines to Iraq. Um, he has gone on to become a clinical psychologist and also has started a business reset outdoors and what he tries to do and likes to do and motivates people to do is to get away from the office, get away from the desk, get outside and explore the trees and the paths and the trails and the streams. And I asked him if he would join me at the screening to kind of moderate. And, um, you know, we may touch on some sensitive things in regards to life and loss and grief and stress and sadness and happiness and all of those things. So this is an absolute complete honor for me. Um, I'm very happy and joyful and I'm excited to come home and be surrounded by family and friends and people who've been with me all my journey from, you know, since I was back in grade school and middle school and stuff like that. So it's a really exciting time. Yeah, man, dude, that's amazing. What's the theater's name? And it's noon to two. It's not like a midnight showing or anything, you know. <laughs> no. um, but yeah, what's the theater? Where where can people go to get tickets? Things like that. Yes. So in Reading, Pennsylvania, there's this place called the Goggle Works, and it's the Goggle Works. It's not the Google Works. 
Um, because back in the day, Reading used to be this industrial town and there was like iron mills and uh, clothing mills and all these things. And here at this building, at this factory facility, they used to manufacture like goggles, like what, you know, Bill Nye, the science guy would wear. So this building, this establishment pays homage to that. Um, but there is a theater there. It's the Albert and Eunice uh, Boscov's Theater. And it is going to be from 12 to 2. And I'm going to pull up the address right now. It's going to be located at 201 Washington Street, Reading, Pennsylvania. Uh, I don't have a zip, but you you should be able to find it. There's some sort of zip code for Reading. Yeah, there's yeah. a zip code associated with Reading. Just type <laughs> in Reading. You'll be good. <laughs> um, that's amazing, man. And so... I think it's great. And I, I wish I could be there, first of all. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm really curious about the discussion afterwards. I mean, maybe it's because I've seen the movie 500 times at this point. But I want to hear kind of what you guys talk about, what you touch upon. Um, and, and, you know, I think one of the things and I just want to say this really quick, and then we'll get to the the past Phil and past Chris part of the episode. It's going to hurt everyone's brains. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be these same voices, but we were six weeks ago. Um, but I think the biggest thing, and I've told you this, and I told you this this weekend and all of this, I think it's so important that people see you open up and share your story and share the hardships that you've gone through and how you feel, your feelings about it and all that stuff. I think it it's really brave to do because I think a lot of us, me included, keep it inside, keep too much inside, um, you know, and to watch you in the movie, but in real life and then going and speaking about it, um, your loss and everything. I just think it's, it's so important because especially as, as anybody, but especially as men, you know, we just, in our culture, it seems like we just, keep things inside and we try to make it seem like nothing's bothering us nothing's on our mind and that is an unhealthy way of dealing with um difficult situations you know and i think to watch you literally a very macho man like a a, a big burly dude and the, by first look you might think one thing like oh this guy's just a bro you know and to see you open up and to share and to seek help from other people and all of that, it is really empowering to me as your friend to see. Um, and I'm really glad that you, you've you been able to help us with, I mean, like I said, heart and soul of the project. Like, I mean, I, everyone is, of course, I'm gonna say that, but like the way you opened up and shared about your story was really powerful and it was something I'll always, you know, always remember. and and love you for so thanks man chris i have i have nobody but like you you to thank for all of that because you know we we've spoken about this so much but meeting you and paul and thomas and and reed the race director and kyla and you know that very first year i felt like it didn't take more than a day or two for you guys to see like right through me you know and, and you may not have known the depth of like what I was going through or what I was experiencing or why I was there at Deseret, but it was like, dude, just like 
pull up a chair and and be yourself. You don't you don't need to be anything. You don't need to show us how tough you are or anything like that to be in those moments with you guys and to be vulnerable and to the way you the way we all kind of embraced each other and just I feel you know nobody nobody wants another person to live a tough or difficult or challenging life or existence but I I feel like the gift of life is in those moments if we avail ourselves if we if we open up ourselves to the people that are around us that care about us and are there for us it was almost like desert rats was an analog for my life where i feel like when those traumatic bad experiences happen all we want to do is close in we want to circle the wagons and we want to keep it nice and tight and and closed off but like all that race for me was happiness and and even though we were like mutually suffering the fact that we were doing it together and the fact that that at the end of every day at the end of every stage there'd be there'd be a nice chair to sit in and there'd be a yummy meal to eat and there'd be awesome camaraderie and stories of the day and tales of the day and i i just i can't this whole thing again i'm i'm not going to say full circle but i just did so there you're you going go to, but, you're going to say it he's going to no, say just, it many I, more times the whole the whole experience to me isn't just the documentary and isn't like what you were able to capture in the film i feel like there's bits and pieces of just we we done it together 2018 2019 and then again in 2021 and not that any one of those races is mutually exclusive but i feel any person partaking in that race particularly a a, a stage race an ultra where you don't know how you're going to get through every single day but you you meet this collective group of inspiring and empowering people it doesn't matter where they're from or what their story is or whatever they're going to see you through every stage and it was it's just a life a life altering experience and i'm so thankful to share some of that with you man like I, I just think yeah yeah dude heck yeah, yeah man well hey let's get into the past conversation and i don't know if we've we i don't even really remember what we said if i'm gonna be honest this might be terrible podcasting hosting but i'm like i don't know what we said so it's going to be interesting for me to listen back to as well and entertaining hopefully <laughs> but i know we talk about the movie i know we kind of like talk about specific moments from your perspective that we didn't get to dive into and, and things like that so yeah let's get into that right now thanks phil for being on we'll get phil in the outro um but yeah let's get into it like the like a bigfoot podcast number 331 with Phil Pinty. I think when we finally came up with that phrase or heard that phrase more accurately, right? But when we heard that phrase and thought about how that applied to what we experienced out there in the desert, um, people like you connected to it right away. I think you understood what we were going for there. You know, it's the idea that you are a long way from nowhere like you're in the middle of the desert like there's nothing around dude nothing mm -hmm. at all mm -hmm. and yet at the same time i mean i guess if you're you're a long way from nowhere you're exactly where you need to be like mm -hmm. you are where you need to be internally because you're able to kind of 
understand life at like this deeper level and you're able to kind of like understand your experiences and you just give yourself space you have space to actually take this in you know Mm -hmm. i mean Mm -hmm. the race is what like there was like 25 other people doing the run so after the first 30 minutes you don't see anybody anymore like it's hard to really express that but like and there are times where you're around other people hiking with them and stuff but if you want after 30 minutes you're by yourself the rest of the day yeah it actually gives you time to like consider and you can't be distracted and you get to actually be selfish in like a healthy way you know Mm -hmm. a realization i had too is you're you're absolutely right that like we're out there with a complete group of strangers but after day one after day two like we're all suffering together and we all have to do it for ourselves but it's just that realization that they're doing it too like you don't know if they're behind you or in front of you or sometimes somebody will come up alongside you but um i think it's that shared it's been said so many times which is that collective shared suffering that for whatever reason for adventure to do an ultra first time to do a stage race to see the beautiful landscape of colorado and utah um for whatever reason for whatever brings people out there after day one or day two it's like you're you're vying for them you're you're supporting for them you're advocating for them and it's folks that you just met and then the more you get to learn about them on and off the trail it just it really forges you know really great relationships so yeah 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 um i do want you to take us a bit into the day two experience uh that's the day was 116 degrees and windy that's the thing like you don't realize in the movie it was super windy but it felt like you were in the middle of like this blow dryer from hell you know like it's just like blasting you from all like you can't it's so windy you can't tell which direction the wind is coming from but it's hitting you everywhere and it makes it worse. Like you'd think like on a summer day, like a nice breeze coming through feels good, but not when it's 116 degrees. Like, so can you take us back to that? Like specifically that long, not like never ending stretch of dirt road that just Mm -hmm. goes on forever by that train track. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is when everybody started just getting beat down. Yeah, yeah. Funny, funny thing is there's, there's a clip in the, in the documentary. And I think it was probably, probably taken an hour, maybe two hours before the, the rails or like the wheels fell off for me, but I'm all up on, I'm all on cloud nine, like spouting off like motivational stuff. And you're just full of bravado. (laughs) I'm just like, (laughs) and then if you could just fast forward two hours later, like, I mean, you guys, you guys took pictures and stuff. And it, it is a portion of the documentary, but I was just like racked out on the side of the road, like laying on my back, like seriously, someone had punched me in the face. And having done the race two years prior, the fact that it was my third go around, like that was absolutely not for the documentary. I had never felt that way, not only at Desert Rats, but, but ever in an ultra run. And uh, there was an aid station it was during, I, you know, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on it now, but I think that was like the greatest distance between like aid stations, but the aid station prior, I, I kind of felt it coming on there, but there was, there was these 
amazing ultra runners, these dedicated and declarated ultra runners that were just like rocked out and like in chairs, their shoes were off, their socks were off. It was like a freaking war zone, dude. And like medical staff was tending to them. And, you know, I, I felt it, I, I felt at that point, I still felt this, I still felt pretty good, but like, it just kind of came over me that like, we're getting into the shit of it now because it, though it just was so incredibly hot. I probably could have afforded to spend a little bit more <laughs> I probably could have afforded to spend a little bit more time at that aid station, but I, you're also kind of riding the high of like the whole like David Goggins thing where you're looking at these other people and you're looking into their eyes and you're just stealing their souls, you know? <laughs> so I head back out and meanwhile, your soul is just leaving. Meanwhile, your my body. soul is like crumbling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I, my soul is like in the midst of leaving my body. I'm trying to steal theirs, but um, yeah, I, you just, you get to a point where your legs are so tired, your feet are so tired, your will is just grinding. And uh, for some reason, this race is always, there's so many of these like metaphors with like the Wizard of Oz for some reason. But I'm, I'm picturing where the Wicked Witch casts her spell and, and she puts some like sleeping gas or dust like in the snow and it starts snowing. Remember when they're, they see Emerald City and they're crossing through the field of poppies and, and the witch makes it snow. And then all of a sudden, everybody, start, everybody starts getting sleepy and the lion's sleepy. He falls over. And I, I just like I the these rocks, like there was just this pile of rocks. And I'm like, that looks like a great place to just have a sit. <laughs> and I sat down and I like when you when you guys came upon me, like I, I just feel like I was all out of sorts. I think I was emotional, like. I was questioning like what I was doing and I kept saying, I mean, I, I don't think this made it into the documentary, but I, was, I kept saying, I was like, sorry. I, I, for some reason I kept like, you were mumbling that. for yeah. sure. Can I pause for a second? Like sure, sure. from our perspective, here's what happened. We're uh, me and Chris uh, Cornejo, we're driving down the road. We're talking about, dude, this is insane. Like it is so hot. It is chaos. We had just gotten back from, I think the finish line we had filmed some people crossing there and we're like, this isn't, this is the craziest day of this race that I've ever witnessed hands down. And we round the corner and we see you sitting there on the side of the road. Now I have to take you back a day to the first day because Chris and I are driving down the road in his Jeep and we pull around the corner and we find a runner like, that's the clip the that's that's the clip that's in the documentary no right? no oh, okay. this is right. something we didn't even film because we turned the corner we found a runner day one collapsed on the side of the road glenn the photographer is holding his coat over him to make like the tiniest bit of shade and we loaded him into the med crew's car and it was so rough dude it was real like chris and i were on cloud nine filming that first day we're like in the creek having fun so it's such a huge adventure and then we drive down the road and instantly it was like the wind was taken out of our sails because we found this guy who we really like, like not passed out, but like in bad shape on the side of the road. Mm -hmm. And he mm -hmm. ended up getting pulled, taken to the ER and his race was over. Mm -hmm. And so flash forward the next day, it's hotter somehow and it's more exposed. You guys have been running for over 30 some miles at this point and we're driving down the road and we see you sitting on the side of the road and we're like 
oh no, it's happening again. <laughs> it's our friend again. You know what I mean? Like it was all these things, it was happening again. And we're like, oh shit, man. And we have like walkie talkies and stuff so we can like radio if we needed, if you were in such a bad shape, we could get some help. But, but yeah, we pull up, dude, you're sitting there, you're mumbling to yourself. You notice us, but like barely. You're like mumbling with the weirdest stuff in the moment. You have goosebumps all over your legs. And this is the one part where I'm like, man, I wish James, our, our director of photography, who had like a really good camera and the know-how, like I wish he would have been there in that moment because mm -hmm. I had the GoPro, but I, we were like a, probably more concerned at, at how you were to actually mm -hmm. like get like cool shots and good footage. And when I watch it, I'm like, ah, oh, man, like now that we know you're okay, it was like, ah, oh, we should have just not said anything and just let him mumble. Yeah. <laughs> but we're like trying to talk to you to make sure you're okay. So we had to like edit around that and all that. But yeah, but yeah, man. So that's how we found you. And it was intense. It was one of the more intense moments of the race for me personally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it was just this eye opening. I don't know, like all the folks you've spoken to and, and for you and I, this specific event, like everyone has their reasons and it's such a, a personal thing that for some people, for many people, you might even not be able to like put it into words. But for, for me, um, it, it, it's almost like it took the first time doing it, the second time doing it. And then the third time that like what you're feeling or what you're going through or what you need to experience, like it all needs to come to a head. It all needs to come to the surface, whatever you're holding on to, like so guardedly, maybe you just need to like, if there's something, it doesn't need to be profound. Maybe it's messy. Maybe it's sad. Maybe whatever, whatever it is, like just let it go, dude. <laughs> yeah. Cause did you, did you feel like that moment, cracked you kind of that that moment it did but that moment for many ultra runners like there's ultra runners all over the place that are doing these things for their own specific reasons but i feel like what y'all were able to capture it, it's not an ultra running thing it's a life thing you know and I, I think that's why so many folks are attracted to the sport of running and ultra running because it's it's more to it than just sure it's great to my daughter's in basketball right now learning all this strategy and teamwork and all of those things are wonderful but I don't know if on the basketball court or doing a basketball game you're gonna push yourself or witness things from other people that are just gonna like open your eyes that this sport, this thing that we're doing is so much bigger than just the sport. And the folks that I've had the opportunity to run alongside and get to know, and these, I was just having a conversation yesterday. I, I ran a 50 K yesterday and we're talking about how race directors, <laughs> how race directors get to be like a parent and they put on these events and they there's it's months and months of of organizing and orchestrating and getting permits and they do all of this stuff like selflessly for these people that they don't even know 
they they bring out all these food and all these goodies and it's like they're opening up their home to these complete strangers and then through that throughout the course of an ultra you see people at their absolute best and you see people destroyed and like devastated and angry you hear people cursing or crying or why am i doing this what is you know and you see their friends coming around them and you see complete strangers you know checking on and on them and it's like is there any other sport that encapsulates like being a human than like ultra running and i felt like just in that moment something i had said to you is uh like piss and vinegar this this i can do it can only really get you so far until it can't. And then it becomes, what's your why? Like, do you, is it about love? Is it about hope? Is it about what you foresee for yourself? Is it, is it seeing these things in your friends that seeing some, I was running with somebody yesterday, they were competing and doing their first 50 K their first ultra ever on the course that I had done my first 50 K. And the conversation that I had with this guy, you know, he was so excited and so full of life and so happy for himself. And I was happy for this guy that was a complete stranger. You know, it's just, it's an amazing sport an amazing thing we found. Yeah. And for, for me, watching you get up and then continue on down the road, that was the most inspiring part of one of the most inspiring parts of the whole entire week for me, like being there to witness it. And it was pure happenstance. We even found you on the side of the road. Like, honestly, like yeah. there's, I mean, granted we had a couple of vehicles out filming, but what we were able to capture was pure coincidence really. And mm -hmm. it was almost like we needed to be there for you. Uh, and I needed to see it, you know, mm -hmm. I just, I left that day and I was like, man, Phil is a, Phil's a superhero to me, like, and to watch you walk down the road and, you know, we didn't, we didn't end up putting it in the film, but we had footage of you getting to the next aid station at like mile 35 or whatever it was and getting in the river. And to me, I was like, that was cathartic it was just watching you on that 116 degree day, like get in that river. And it made me know, like, you, Phil's going to be okay. Like you still had probably like six miles to go or whatever it was, but you got in the river and I was like, he made it to the river. <laughs> He's going to be. <laughs> and, and I guess one other thing I want to hear you talk about with that day is, uh, our friend Paul, uh, he pulled alongside you at one point before we found you. So you were starting to get to that rough spot and they pulled alongside you and you were just like, do you even remember like what? <laughs> Can you talk about that? Are we going into that territory? We can go into it, whatever. No, I just, I mean, are you talking about like, I think Thomas or somebody was driving, like Paul was in Thomas's truck. Are you talking about like when I asked, like, is Paul in there? You're like, is Paul in there? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, yeah. Phil's out of sorts right now. <laughs> I was just calling him out. I don't know. I probably said some sort of something mean, some sort of <laughs> expletive or something. <laughs> Were you actually mad at him or were you just trying to get No, I was just, I was just messing around. Okay. Maybe, I don't know. I was delirious. <laughs> That's amazing, man. Uh, yeah. dude, I love that. Um, there's only really like two other parts I want to ask you about. Uh, we kind of cut you out of day four and we really, I think it was 
like editing wise, it was just a momentum decision mm-hmm. was the momentum was going by day four. Day four is the expedition day. It's the longest day. And yet in the movie, we didn't spend a whole lot of time on it, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was just purely like, a, hey, we got to just keep the story moving, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but can you talk a little bit about day four? Because we kind of, you know, we don't we don't come back to you in the movie until the last day. Yeah. The week, the week that you guys were out there, like, I know you can only put so much like into the documentary, but, but not just me with desert, like just for all participants involved. I I don't know if I've ever in, in life, like anywhere on vacation, the, the, the swing of temperature and climate and rain and all that stuff. Like if you look at the swing from 116 degrees on degrees on Tuesday to Thursday, you know, on the top of the LaSalle's maybe 45 degrees and and pouring rain and the cold. thunder, like thunderstorms, cold and cold rain. The rain uh, was freezing cold, dude. Yeah. I've never been, I mean, I put myself in a, some ultras and stuff like that, but I, I, w- I was scared. Like I was, I get just, I mean, it was lightning, it was thundering, the cold weather uh, and your body just, goes into like hypothermia or whatever I, re- I remember running into you and it was right around where like the dino prints are and you know I was just being so I was being so like kind of like mean and angry just because I was like so miserable like you were like there's a bathroom up ahead and I was like whatever bro and you guys like were you know you I was just completely saturated so miserable there were so many miserable moments but like so many beautiful like when you just push push through that and you hear that day for camp for Jason and for Tim and like I I think that day of camp like coming in when everyone's bang everyone's like gelled and we're all rooting for each other and people are banging on pots and pans and stuff like that like that that finish on Thursday is like a really really special finish yeah 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 and once again we just found you at the worst time (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we found you a whole bunch of times where you were in a great mood too. Don't get me wrong, but no, I was just miserable the whole time. <laughs> that was the time, and I was like, "Dude, go in the bathroom, hide from lightning if you need to. Like it's around the corner." And you were just ready to be done, dude. There's like five miles left. You're at the top of a mountain. You're just but then like, like, but then two minutes later, you got some film. You know, it didn't it didn't make it into the movie, but you got some film and some still shots of me running down. Like once yeah. I knew that I was on the home stretch. I got my arms out like I'm I'm sailing like a seagull like it's it's just the, it was the joy of ultra running like you go through the valleys and the peaks you know it was just well, within like a five it was like five <laughs> ten minutes you guys were there I'm like cursing at you guys telling you to get the hell away from me and then like five minutes later I'm like peace out and I'm <laughs> I love you guys <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's awesome I guess uh the last thing I wanted to ask you about and I don't even know what you can expand upon this, but for me, the number one most powerful thing we filmed all week long was when we interviewed you by that burnt out bridge. Mm-hmm. And you were talking about how life is harder than this race. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I, I mean, I think if there's one statement anybody who's taken on any of these endurance events is going to understand it's that you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like and i think that was getting to the core of why what draws people to do this 
or these kind of things is because mm -hmm. life gets so complicated, life gets so hard, life gets so challenging. And all of a sudden you're out in the desert and you're doing this physically brutal thing to do. Mm -hmm. And yet you can keep the perspective of this is easier than every day in many mm -hmm. aspects, like in many like sense of what I go through every day. Like, can you talk mm -hmm. about that a little bit? Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think it was your and Paul's like purpose to, to get me like, obviously the documentary is about the stage rats, the desert rat stage race. Like it's about this thing. And I, but I, I don't think that you and Paul as like friends were, were doing it for some sort of therapeutic. Cause I remember after the interview, like Paul said something in effect of like, wow, you know, not, not just like, wow, we got this thing for the documentary, but like, wow, like Phil, Phil really let his guard down and uh, just like spoke from his heart. But that, th that statement, what you said about people doing ultra races and maybe coming to the realization that like, my life's harder than this. This isn't really that hard. That may not apply to everyone, but in that moment, I think if anyone needed to hear those words, like hear what I said, it was, it was me, you know, just, I think for so many times, uh, when I first discovered the, the race where I was at in my life, I, I wanted to see, not that I wanted to see myself fail or I wanted to like push myself to those limits, but life had just become so overwhelming and so, oh my goodness, how, how do I get myself out of this? That I wanted to like forge. I had been through Marine Corps boot camp and I had been through having to wake up every single day and say to myself, what, what do they have in store for us today? What are we going to do today? How late are they going to keep us up? How hard are they going to haze us? How much are they going to make us feel useless and worthless? And, but that's the whole process. They do that and then they build you back up and you think you can take on the whole world. And, um, just, I mean, you, you and me, like documentary aside and all those things, I just think of how our relationship has grown and like that moment for me, documentary aside, we could just put the documentary on the shelf and like in that moment, you for like you with me and you guys asking me those questions, I think it was time that I acknowledged like how I was feeling. Yeah. And the only way what what the documentary gets into and what I was doing and whether it was catharsis or for whatever reason I was doing those things. I feel like sometimes in life we get ourselves into a situation where we do this one thing because this other thing happened. But then as long as we're doing that thing, the other thing still exists. And I know I'm being like very vague here, but it's almost like a cycle of like arrested <laughs> development that if I'm doing this thing, if I'm doing like maybe a negative thing or I'm feeling bad, I'm feeling sorry for myself, I'm feeling depressed and I choose this vice to make myself feel better. As long as you're doing that vice, then you've never truly gotten over that big thing, that traumatic thing. So me for me, like, I just feel like I'm, I'm, I've been like reborn, you know, I've, I've established 
the, the thorn that was in my side, the thing that was causing me trouble or pain or heartache or whatnot. And you acknowledge it and then you can truly let it go. Yeah. And just do, do whatever you need to do, you know? Like, yeah. Or you make that thorn like a part of you now. Like that's yeah. just or you, a like part absor- of- you, you absorb it and yeah. You yeah. Just, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, I mean, I guess the thing for me when I watch it is all the interviews I think back to because everyone was looking me directly into the, into my eyes doing the interviews because they paul would always be like look at chris look at because i'd be sitting off camera and you'd be looking so everything every time someone was saying something really personal it was like going into my soul <laughs> you know like it was going directly into my soul and when you said that man it it explained a lot of how i feel too i was like that's it that's that gets it that phil understands this and i think a lot of people will connect to that idea and can connect to that you know Mm -hmm. um what did your kids think when they saw it so i was very conscious we were in breckenridge we showed it to all the runners um who could attend and stuff and you were sitting right behind me i and i've i had seen the movie like 400 times so i knew what was coming i knew how we portrayed your whole very personal story with jen and the kids and all of that and um i was very aware of what was about to be what you were about to say on screen and you know talking about jen and stuff and and i'm just sitting there thinking like this is these kids mom like this isn't a story to them this is their story this is them this is their life and i was very much like how is this gonna go over i was like is this gonna be too much like i thought we did a really respectful job and everything but Mm -hmm. when you all were sitting right behind me i was like is this going to be too much for everybody? And I remember reaching back, like holding your leg, you know, and like yeah. my daughter's yeah. staring at you. Like she's <laughs> sitting by me, my eight-year-old, and she's just looking at you. Yeah. And I, I asked her later, I'm like, why were you, why'd you keep looking at Phil? And she's like, I just wanted to make sure they were okay. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's so sweet. And Cornejo's sitting by you and he's telling me you guys are kind of like, you know, holding each other and things like that. And yeah. I mean, out of everything with with the film, like watching it with you was huge for me. Like it yeah. was a massive experience, you know, yeah. like yeah. it made me like it made me, you know, because I lived with it as a quote unquote story for a year or so. And obviously, like I'm friends with all of you and I know you as human beings. But then watching it with you, I was like, wow, this is deeply personal (laughs) and these people shared it with us yeah not only not only our story not only my story but i i just feel the the way you integrated and told all these different stories together simultaneously switching from story to story i i'm not just saying this i i mean i may have personal investment because i'm in it but i i just think the whole it never it never loses momentum you you go from one trial one tribulation to the next one and it it leaves you longing but what happened to amy and mike you, you know you just you did a phenomenal job uh 
Penelope and Nolan, they knew, you know, obviously you guys had come out to the house and everything like that. And they, they understood it or they understand it as well as a eight year old or a 10 year old can. But with that being said, they see me, our relationship, every, every parent child relationship has its own dynamics. However, I feel like the connection I have with Penelope and Nolan is unlike any, any relationship I've ever had. And they've seen a wide array of, of me going through emotions. And, you know, I, I try not to get too emotional or get sad or get mad or any of those things. You know, we, as parents, we, we shelter those things from our, from our children, but Penelope she's only 10 years old and yet the way I see her interact with her brother or the way she interacts with me, like she's, she's taken on, they both have such wonderful like heads on their shoulders. And, you know, they knew when we were watching the movie together, we were sharing like popcorn and there was a scene where it was me like running through my neighborhood and stuff. And, and Penelope, like, it's almost like we could kind of tell what was where this was going. And I just felt her little hand reach over and she just like squeezed my hand so tightly and, but like in a, in a good way. And I was, I mean, I don't know if you knew or not, but I was, I, I, I'd gotten emotional like during the screening and stuff like that. And I just felt just like, so I don't, I don't think it was ever anything I was trying to do or something, but the fact that something that this event in life that had had such a bad negative black connotation like on my life somehow i mean it, you're, you're talking to me right now this is a very personal thing but out of all the things i could have chose as my vice you know running or ultra running or drinking or drugs or x y or z and just the the power of having a good support network, having these people that are vying for you and caring for you. And you, you guys are like the greatest, not only friends, like you guys are like family and that, like, I, I just feel like the whole film, but what you were able to capture with Deserats just pays such tribute to what Reed and Kyla put on for us. And what that mean, what that week means to so many people, you know, um, and, and so many ultra runners out there. I never, I never would have imagined, I've said this so many times before, but I don't want to be Joe spokesman for going through grief or being sad or being depressed, but it's until like you've sat in a, uh, a grief group with other widows and widowers and, you know, you're, you're 33 years old and you're sitting there with 55 year olds and 60 year olds. And you just say to yourself, life has like really put baby in the corner right now, you know? Yeah. And I've always been, I've always thought of life as being a choose your own adventure. So people may hear you talk to people about all these crazy, inspiring things and say, I, I can never do that. That seems impossible. That's how I felt about running my first 50 K or running 150 miles through the desert. You, you can, you might not have to do 
those things to say to yourself, I can do big things and I can change the way I feel about my life or my trajectory. But for me personally, I'm in a completely different place, you know? So I think it's a pretty beautiful thing. Yeah, man. I think that's great. Yeah, dude, I, I can't thank you enough for, you know, sharing your story. I know it probably wasn't easy at times. Uh, maybe it was easier cause it was two of your buddies making, <laughs> <laughs> making this, uh, but I have to say, dude, like, you know, I basically spent like a year and a half out in the desert. If you consider all the, like watching all the footage and everything. And every time I'm just like, dude, Phil is my hero, man. Like that's, <laughs> it's crazy. But, but yeah, so dude, thank you, man. Thank you for everything. Oh, I mean, I want to, I almost wanted to flip the script. I mean, you interviewed me, but I, I just, I don't know how you did what you did and what you continually do, you know, the, the amount of, when you think of what it takes to put a production together, what it, the planning and the preparation and the logistics, like I have to bring hippy dippy. If I bring hippy dippy into any conversation, I got to bring it in now, but it's the way everything fit together and the relationships that you made and this connection with that connection and like putting it, piecing it together and putting this thing together and the fact that you watch it and you, you've told us an insane story from beginning to end, there's triumph and there's adversity and there's all these things. I mean, it's when, when you, when you and Paul were spitballing the idea in my head, I was saying, yeah, there's this race and it's this thing and whatever, but how are you going to invest people there's like ultra running, there's, there's adventure stories. And then there's like story stories. There's like telling a story of Joseph Campbell's, the hero's journey and how it begins and how the middle and the end. And not, not only for me, for Jason and for everyone else, like you, it, it, it works, it fits the script and it, it tells the fact you're able to get that into 60 minutes. You left it. I don't know how other folks, I don't want to set the bar too high, but you leave it in a way where when the, the blinds close and the credits roll. I'm like, I want to, what, what happened? Like, <laughs> you know, it, it ends in such a great inspiring way, but it's like, what I want to, where, where's Jason now? What's Jason up to? Like, <laughs> You're like, where's Phil? What's Phil doing? <laughs> yeah. No, you just, it, you, it leaves the, per everybody wanting more and like, well, what, what's the next story? You know, what, you know, you've set yourself up to do great, amazing things. So bravo. Thank you, man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, coffee. <laughs> just straight up coffee nah man yeah. i think it's uh i get inspired by people who have enthusiasm about what they're doing mm -hmm. um and it doesn't matter what it is it could be anything we went to, yesterday we went to one of my middle schoolers play and he did matilda it was like a kid's play 10 to 14 year olds it was it was awesome and i was i was there and there was other teachers there and one of our counselors and i'm like this speaks to this kid's enthusiasm. It's infectious. Like it mm -hmm. truly is. If you have enthusiasm for what you're doing, it is infectious to the people around you. And the, the stage race meant so much to me that when I talked about it and when I thought about it, I think that enthusiasm was something that people could like latch on to. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't, I didn't know how to make a film. I don't know the technical stuff. Like I still don't, 
I understand it better now, but I don't understand if you asked me to go in and click some buttons and move some things around, like, <laughs> you know, post-production wise or on a camera, <clears throat> set it up, make it look really amazing and all that. Like, I don't know how to do it, but I do know how to have enthusiasm. And I think that did a lot on getting people invested, you know, mm -hmm. like the mm -hmm. other filmmakers and, and Paul, obviously like, I mean, that dude's a wizard, man. Like <laughs> it, he's an absolute wizard. And it was so cool. I just remember on the second day driving down the road behind him, he's in the car in front of me. And I'm like, I met this guy on this trail. I, we, I was like, I remember the first, the second day I knew him walking down this road together, talking about life. And now I'm following him and he has cameras and we're going to set up cool shots and like <laughs> we're doing a creative thing together. And it was, it was a really cool moment where I'm like, man, I can't believe this is even an opportunity that I had, you know, if I may, if I may add something there, I, I think what you just said is something I thought about as well, but it's, not that it needs to be this bigger, grander thing, but the 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 job interview or going into school or you have a presentation or, you know, the old adage, dress for the job that you want. Like, you never know the implications of the things that you do every day yeah. and how you show up, how you present yourself, kindness, 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 like listening to other people and learning about other people. And if one of your coworkers is having a bad day or whatever, you can just tell and you can sense those things and say, Hey, I, I don't know what you need. If you want to go take a walk, if you want to go get a coffee, I'm here for you. Like you, you never know what that means in someone's life. And you and Paul and myself and Thomas, and, you know, four or five years ago, we were in a completely different part of our lives but we all intersected on the coco pelli and it wasn't your when we first ran the race in 2018 you're not thinking to yourself right off the bat i'm gonna you know it was only the second year when we all met and you and you and paul after the race were having these discussions about like hey we should i want to do a documentary and it's like we just never know you have to put yourself out there yeah and especially even when you don't want to or you're not feeling up to it it sounds so false motivation, you know, oh, go out there and seize the day and make, you know, yeah, true, but it, it, it's true. You know, yeah. you have to, if you want opportunities, if you want to start on the basketball team, but you haven't tried out or you didn't register, then you're not start. like you have to go out there and get it. Yeah. So, and you guys went out there and get it. So bravo. <laughs> and man, and to wrap up, I hear the Coco Pelli only goes one direction home <laughs> <laughs> that was the best quote that didn't get in the movie i was like i tried so hard i'm like we gotta fit this in it's so cheesy like it, it, it fit it fits nowhere <laughs> it fits nowhere it is so cheesy but i wanted it in so bad dude you, well, know? you have to release you have to re release the philism compilation like once the film goes live then you can just drop the the phil yeah i made the a track <laughs> i made like a 10 minute compilation of ted talks from phil that i had filmed out there but oh, yeah when you were like coco pella only goes one direction home 
I'm like, that that needs to go in the trailer. Like, <laughs> it needs to be in something, you know? Yeah. But, uh, couldn't. And, you know, the other thing, like, this being a sports documentary, I think the only other thing we missed that I wanted was mm-hmm. like an early morning, someone steps outside their door of their house or their tent and they breathe out and there's like breath coming out, but like mm-hmm. in slow motion, we didn't get yeah. any of that. I mean, it was too hot. Like, no, but... like those old, those old like NFL, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dun, 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 like the timpanese like dun, 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 yeah the linemen the are standing there you just see all their breath like that's yeah. i'm like you have to have that in a sports movie yeah. and that was the yeah. one thing we didn't we didn't get you know the coco pelly the yeah just <laughs> the nfl announcer guy yeah yeah we should make a cut that's just uh with the nfl nfl tunes but yeah but yeah man thanks for doing this dude yes sir all right always a pleasure um <clears throat> I always say the same stuff, dude. Do you notice that? Or do I just notice it? Like I say the I, same I, stuff like in the in like to get into it and to get into the outro. Like I always end up saying the same thing. And I I feel self-conscious about it. You know? I, I don't I don't think so. I, I I think we have like mannerisms, like whether we're a podcast host or not. I, I just think there's certain things we say or certain ways we say sentences or something like that but I, I don't i don't think it's the same stuff all right i'm gonna go i'm gonna go rogue this time okay here we go all right and we're back no <laughs> <laughs> um all right see i can't i'm gonna say the same thing dude uh, <laughs> i'm um, back with my favorite person in the whole wide world Phil all right <clears throat> all right phil's beard is gone He's lost eight pounds of hair on his face. He has shaved. He looks like he's 20 years old now. He is rocking a mullet. It's business in the front, party in the back, and it's just going to be like the outro to this podcast, dude. If this is the last time we're talking about this movie situation on the show, we are taking it out in style. We're going straight up mullet style. That's what we're doing. So we're going to party it down right now. Celebration, full circle. We finished it. We did it. And yeah, man, thanks for doing the episode. Uh, I appreciate you. And yeah, and I want to do, I do want to talk about a couple of things. One, (laughs) people are going to be like, this is the only place they travel to ever. But we went back to the Coco Pelli this last weekend <laughs> and we were signed up for a hundred K Phil flew out to Colorado. Uh, he came and spoke to my class, my leadership classes, which was fantastic. Uh, do you want to share any quick stories from that experience? No, it was just a complete honor to, uh, that you welcomed me into your classroom. And I got to see Chris Cornejo, who was also a part of the, the filming, uh, staff or cast or whatever you want to call it for the the documentary i it was just an absolute pleasure i don't consider myself a uh public speaker or motivational speaker but it was great talking to your students the kids loved you dude they were like so incredibly psyched leading up to it and then you came in and they've they've written you all letters i'm gonna mail them to you as soon as i get the uh the energy to bring them home and put them in an envelope uh and yeah man they made you letters i had them do a poster based off of your advice 
and some of them were really hilarious and and funny and things like that but uh but yeah man so so yeah do you want to kind of recap real quick what happened i mean it was uh it was an interesting weekend it uh it wasn't what we expected but it was what we got and i think we had a great time it wasn't it was an awesome it was an awesome time it was an awesome weekend so i flew out on wednesday and luckily i was able to obtain a direct flight from baltimore washington and to denver which was a four-hour flight i get a rental car and then i stayed with you and your family and got to acclimatize or whatever they call it to the altitude and being out in denver and then thursday i got to join you in class and speak to your classes and i just i need to speak on this one moment you you shared some of the posters with me and you know i shared my wisdom and running and life and all those things and i remember telling the class you know they should listen to their parents you think now you're in middle school you're too cool for school you don't want to listen to your parents or whatever so on someone's poster <laughs> they wrote like all these little philisms and, and it was all these was... little macho men in each one <laughs> yeah. and it was your advice <laughs> Yeah. And one of them was listen to your parents. And then it had the student and two like stick figure parents. And in a word bubble, it just said, blah, 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 <laughs> blah. blah. <laughs> and I'm like, exactly. <laughs> just, just listen to your parents. It um, also said, have a sweet beard. Yeah. I mean, that's true. The beard, <laughs> the beard will take you far in life. Um, um, so but, then immediate. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, go for it. No, so then after, so I got to spend the day with you Thursday at your at your middle school, and then immediately after speaking to your class, I got on the road, which from where you're at in Denver to Grand Junction is like a four-hour journey. So it's like planes, tra- I was telling folks from work, and they're like, dude, you were on planes, trains, your feet, you're, I come back, I'm all sunburned, my face is burnt, my back is burnt, the backs of my knees are burnt, my arms are burnt, I'm scorched. But anyway, so... um. I immediately got on the road. You got you and Lindsay had scored like a sweet Airbnb. We got to hang out, um, relax Friday. So originally Friday, 5 a.m. was going to be the start of the Desert Rats Trail Running Festival 100K. The inaugural 100K. The inaugural 100K sponsored by UTMB. 100K is starting 5 a.m. on Friday. Then on Saturday, they were going to do the 50K and marathon. And then on Sunday, they were going to do the half and the 10K. Yeah. So uh, we'll open it up by just saying Chris and I wake up at 3.30 in the morning. And we're we're having our coffee and our bananas and bagels and all we're that stuff. All we're stoked. We're getting all pumped. And we're, we're driving to the race and we're just pumping jams and Led Zeppelin and all this stuff. And I'll let you pick it up from there. Yeah, man. It just, it was pouring rain. There's nothing they could have done, dude. So we got there and, uh, you know, we know Reed and Kyla and love them and stuff. And I'm like, they, that was the only decision they could have made, dude. It was pouring rain. And I, I probably would guess that area doesn't get rain like that more than like once a year. And the, whatever the, the dirt is in the desert, it just soaks it up. And then it's just instantly becomes a muddy mess. So it rained all night. We get there. Uh, we're getting ready. We're seeing like uh, a bunch of people we know, like John and Shanna and all that and super fun. 
And the whole time I'm freezing and I'm just look, we're under this tent and I'm just looking at the pouring rain and I'm like, oh, like just stealing myself ready to go 62 miles in that. And then they, they came up and they're like, yeah, it's not happening today. And it's a weird feeling, I have to say, because part of me was, I mean, we were definitely, we threw ourselves a pity party through the day, which was kind of funny. But part of me was also relieved, if I'm going to be honest with you, because as the day progressed, we went back, hung out with my wife and kids. And as the day went on, though, it was still pouring rain by like 1 p.m., like the whole time and it's freezing cold rain. And so I'm like, I'm definitely like sad about this, but that would have been horrible, I think, you know. Well, you missed you missed one of the most uh, enthralling um whatever you want to call it. But so the race was supposed to start at five. We're standing there all huddled, huddled underneath a tent, shivering. Um, I'm in like a crop top and little runner shorts. Yeah, you had a crop top top on. Sorry. That was the detail (laughs) I missed. (laughs) No, the detail was the race was supposed to start at five. It get, they postpone it to six to see like, Oh, maybe, maybe the rain will break or something like that. It's just raining sideways. Trucks are getting stuck, like all this stuff. They they absolutely made the right call. But at like 545, you know, somebody's like, hey, look over at the race director. Oh, that that one girl was like all she she didn't know what was about to be said. But she's like, hey, guys, just look over there. She's all cheery. And then he's like, yeah, it's not happening. The race is canceled. (laughs) (laughs) So we were I mean, the the silver lining the the metaphor amongst preparing ourselves for this race i i think and i think the the key takeaway is i agree with you i i was relieved that the 100k was not happening because when we're sitting at breakfast with you and Linz and your girls and we're warm and we're comfy and it, it's raining coffee and eggs benedict and all these things and it's just still raining i'm saying to myself this would have been absolutely miserable, but not not only that. I mean, for the safety and the the for the aid stations and all these things, they hundred percent made the right call. Now, I will, however, say when you mentally prepare yourself to yeah. run a hundred k, I don't I don't want to like fast forward too much, but the fact that I'm putting the cart before the horse here. Ultimately, we were hanging in in. The balance, you know, what are they going to do? Are they going to postpone the hundred k? Are we going to run two fifty k loops? What what are they going to do? Ultimately, we ended up running the fifty k, a part of a separate segment, which was the hundred k alternative fifty k. We ran in our own group, and the the other people, the other four hundred forty people or whatever, ran in their group for the fifty k. Yeah. But yeah. mentally, it was like if if I had myself prepared to slug it out for 62 miles at any time when, when we were running the 50 K, if the legs were feeling tired or if I was feeling, I could, you know, uh, I just kept saying to myself, you could be on mile 17 of 62 right now. So like get your butt, (laughs) (laughs) buckle up. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah. It was a meant, it definitely was like, that was the thing that was hard. I think, cause I was ready to really find out, levels of myself you know what i mean mm-hmm. that was the mm-hmm. thing that was the the part that was bumming me out wasn't that they canceled it or anything like that it was the fact that like i was prepared to like dig deep and find some parts of myself i'm 
may have never found or may have it or haven't found for a few years now. You know what I mean? Like, can I do yeah. this? Where you're yeah. questioning, am I, am I going to be tough enough to do this? Like, can I like just get it done? You know, um, when everything hurts and all that. And I was like, kind of looking forward to diving into that mind space. Um, and you know, like we've, we both have done, I mean, you, it's funny, like at this point of, doing ultras as long as i have even though i haven't done like the really like 100 milers or anything like that but i've done a, a whole bunch of 50ks at this point so i knew i wasn't going to necessarily get there in that 50k um mm -hmm. in the same way that i was going to get there in the 100k so that was the thing that was kind of the bummer we threw ourselves a pity party but then we saw our friend tim Barr uh at his campsite we drove the girls up to the monument they were terrified because it was just giant cliffs i was terrified too <laughs> if I'm gonna be honest with you um yeah. while i was driving um but we went to his campsite and he was like no nah, man tomorrow's gonna be fun and i was like you know what that's really the attitude to take you know what i mean yeah and yeah. it was dude it was so much fun man uh i yeah. did want to ask was there any moments that stood out um from that race for you uh, first of all, what stood out to me is just that area is mind-blowingly gorgeous. Like, holy smokes. I just for you forget how impressive it is. Yeah. The the only words that come to mind, and I, I don't use these words too often, but like there there are some parts it's it's absolutely breathtaking. Like you're you're looking, especially when you're on the top of these mesas and vistas or whatever, and you're looking out over the valley, and you you've referenced this before when you when you look to see the path of how how far we've come and yeah you're putting all these foot slaps in and miles in and all that stuff but when you're standing on the edge of the world and you're looking out over that um just absolutely gorgeous um to, to get back to your point though about i just draw a blank right now um oh, oh what stands out in my mind i agree with you in regards to so you did the Deseret stage race, which is a separate event, a separate event, but it's 150 miles over six days. And you've done one other 100K, correct? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I've done the stage race three times, but I've only done one other 100K. So I think you and I were going into this really hoping to get to that point of, you know, can I keep going? And yeah. and not, not that the 50K didn't fill the cup or anything, but I, I was talking to my folks at work and they're like, you're a lunatic, you know, all, all the analogies, you know, I don't even like to drive that far and all these things. But the reference that I said to them, it's like to run a hundred K is like running a 50 K obviously getting all the way to the finish line. And then forgetting that you left your, your keys at the start or something and having <laughs> to run all the way back. Yeah. So it's like, we, we all know how, like how tired we were and how it took me just under seven hours more elevation than I'm used to, more time on the feet than I'm used to. But but to me, I, I don't know. I don't want to be a bad influence right now, Chris, but I feel like now this is only just postpone the inevitable that now we need to find ourselves like the next because we, we didn't get it. You know, we we signed up for it. We were up at that and then we got hit, we got beamed with a freaking pitch. <laughs> <laughs> I just I, I feel I mean I feel great afterwards. You know, I shared my run with like I ran like a 10 mile run a day or two after the race and everything, but I have no blisters. I I feel like this ultra thing and this mindset is really starting to take hold, but 
it was it was a wonderful weekend. I I think that you and I were trying to find those green lights and those silver linings. And I'm very fortunate that everything happened. I mean, it happened the way it happened. We made the most of it. We would have never. Yeah, the days probably would have been reversed and we ultimately would have went, went to the Monument National Park the next day or something like that. But we just made the best of what's around and it was it was such a pleasure to spend the day with you and your girls and your wife and stuff like that so yeah i, I wouldn't I, change the thing i have one part from the race that really sticks out in my mind and i want to ask mm. you what's wrong with me okay what's wrong with me phil because i, oh, I know what's wrong i i know what's wrong with you oh cool man thanks <laughs> will you tell me <laughs> um i tripped a couple times which i usually don't do i biffed it twice though pretty hard one was in front of all these people which was really funny and then i almost tripped at the finish line right in front of the girls and tim and his family i'd like kick this rock for a second and i was like oh gosh but uh but at one point i tripped and it was on a pretty i mean i I tripped on a steep part but i didn't fall off a steep part you know what i mean Mm -hmm. but my hand just got cut up like deep cut in the palm of my hand i fooshed i don't know if you know this it's a medical term foosh Fall on outstretched hands, a foosh. Did Lin- did Lindsay Lindsay told he taught me that? Right? that. Yeah, man. Okay, and yeah. I totally fooshed all over that trail, man. And when I hit my my hand, it just started gushing blood, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. this is not a good tip at all because I think the human mouth is pretty gross. But I was like, I don't want dirt in that cut, and I had I was trying to wipe it off, but there was still like dirt on it, so. Mm-hmm above the Colorado River, out in the middle of the dirt and the dust, I started like licking the blood off of my hands at like Mm. mile 20. Mm -hmm. And I was like, God, I love ultra running so much. And then I was like, what is wrong with you, dude? This is the craziest thing, but it made me feel alive. So what's wrong? So you're running an ultra, you biff it. You, yeah. you bust open your hand, then you start sucking your blood and you realize like it's it's great to be alive and it's great to be running ultras. Basically, yeah, that's pretty much what happened in my brain. So <laughs> I'm messed Iro- up. Ironically, ironically enough, I normally can't get through a 50K without fault. So I wrestled, you wrestled or no? No. We would practice like tumbles and stuff like that. Like you're always, if you ever saw a wrestling match, the coaches are always shoot, shouting, shoot for the leg, shoot for the leg. Like, so you're constantly, it's kind of like this judo thing where you want to, even if you're going to fall or whatever, you want to go into a tumble. So there are times during ultras we'll all get tripped up on a, on a twig or a rock. And it normally happens. Like I get trip and then I'll trip again. And my momentum just takes me forward. And I do, I mean, there's plenty of times there's many ultra runners who have seen me the macho man trip and just do a complete tumble and then wind up back on my feet again. Like nothing happened. But ironically enough, this race, I made it through the entire time without tripping. So that's good, man. I first. Yeah, man. All right. Last thing I want to mention about this and I want to ask you, uh, so crop top mesh neon, Mm. would you recommend it as like, is North face going to start take making crop top neons? You know what I mean? Oh, he's showing so me I got, a sunburned. Oh my god, he got, I got he got a crop top so sunburn. Yeah, it's the like belly. It's he's he has the weirdest sunburn where it's like there's a line between his shorts and where the crop top was that is completely red. So if I would have applied the appropriate lotion, the suntan lotion or whatnot, I think it would have been an excellent choice because 
seriously, like everywhere the crop top was, you think I would have some wicked like fishnet tan. And I, I think there was too much jostling around, but like, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I got, I got burnt. I mean, the backs, you know, when you like burn the back of your knees, like sleeping has just been atrocious. My back is scorched. My arms, are, my face is scorched. Uh, but yeah, I, the it was a good choice. What about Fashion. you mentioned cheese grater? I don't know if we want to get. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you see those memes and stuff of runners, you know, run like Boston just happened this weekend. Whatever. We were at UTMB Desert Rats 50K, slugging it out. We didn't have to qualify or anything like that. We just showed up and we got it done. But. <laughs> Uh, you see these like memes and pictures on the on the interwebs where like dudes' nipples are bleeding. Yeah, and it it didn't get to that point, but like the crop top that I was wearing just had these little like holes, and the whole time, my vest is jostling and the the crop top's jostling, and it, it, you know, it uh it 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 got me a little sore, but I'm I'm fine. <laughs> I think everything will be all right. That's amazing, man. Well, yeah. dude, Phil, once I mean. Yeah, man. I just, I absolutely love having you on the podcast, but also just having you come out, having you hang out and, and all of that, dude. So thank you, man. Thank you for everything. Thank you for helping us make this movie and being a part of it and doing the race with us and making us laugh when we're tired. And then all of that, man, like we, all of us, like I'm speaking for the whole entire desert rats community i think at this point like you're a special dude and yeah dude i i can't wait phil will be on the podcast again by the way we're gonna do a game where we'll see if if we if we can do a whole podcast without mentioning desert rats and without mentioning a long way from nowhere we're gonna see if it happens we're saying dude or like or dude or macho man or or macho man or beard or i want to say i want to say right back at you chris um you you're the person that brought this whole thing together and the your podcast and the the movie idea and all these things like you're the reason they happened and i am just so fortunate the the best part of this weekend dude was spending it with you and driving in the car and singing songs and our our parade got rained on it rained on our parade literally and <laughs> literally and we we still just had an awesome an awesome weekend an awesome time and i i just think everyone that knows you and knows your family and cares about you guys and loves you guys like you're the you're the centrifugal force that brings this stuff to fruition and documentary removed like i always say i i just my life and our friendship is forever changed by like that chance happenstance in 2018 at the desert rats race and I, I just think if anyone is is seeking, not not that this thing is going to like solve all your problems or make it all make sense or anything like that, but we all know that euphoric feeling, also known as the runner's high that people supposedly get after running a distance, a distance maybe you've never run before, maybe a half marathon or a marathon or an ultra, but those these events for you and I and others it, it kind of puts everything into perspective and makes you realize that even if you're in your low or your high or whatever, everything is going to come together. It, you're going to get it done. You just have to keep putting one foot in front of the other, keep moving forward. You undertaking this project and at times asking yourself, what am I doing? What's the next step? 
getting notes from Paul, getting input from others, you like all of the traveling you did, all the time you set aside, all of the editing, all of that stuff, dude. I just think people realize the hard work that went into this, not only by the runners, but by the staff and by you and the cast and all the editors and film videographers and all those things. Like I just chef's kiss. You guys did a great job and I'm extremely fortunate just to be a part of it. Awesome, man. Well, we'll wrap it there, dude. Uh, yeah, man, come back on the podcast, come back out here and, uh, we'll have a good time. We'll have some more crazy stories. Maybe next time I'll be wearing the crop top. Okay. You owe me, you owe me a hundred K. I see, man. See ya.